everybody happy new year and welcome to our first new episode of the year of t watches a scary movie my name is t and of course we're talking scary movies welcome to the first show of 2022 everybody i appreciate you all tuning in whether you're watching on video on the youtube page which is youtube.com slash c slash theron reynolds scary movie again youtube.com slash c slash theron reynolds scary movie or if you're listening and through podbean or spotify i appreciate you coming back and checking out a whole new episode make sure to hit that subscribe button also likes are always good and i love engaging with y'all so comment on the youtube videos comment on the audio versions on podbean and instagram uh, not instagram i want to say instagram spotify uh so i can interact with y'all as well too uh, i am on instagram though if you find me there i post some previews of the episode Theron underscore Reynolds. And of course, you can find me on Twitter under AXDEW. That's AXDU, not Andrew. Everyone always confuses that whenever we play video games and stuff like that. Like, why are you adding letters to my screen name? Uh, and of course, if you want to join our watch parties, see written reviews, and have fun with us, like the game night we had just last week playing Among Us, go to facebook.com slash group slash T scary movie. Again, that's facebook.com slash group slash T scary movie yeah so last week we talked about uh we were starting our talk about the best of 2021 i covered the uh bottom five because i kind of wanted to split that up for all of y'all we also talked about some honorable mentions with y'all as well too so if you recall we said number 10 black friday number nine malignant number eight was spiral Number seven was Halloween Kills, and number six was Fear Street Part 3. That's where we left off at, and in this episode, we're going to cover the top five horror films, uh, top five horror, excuse me, of 2021. But before we do that, though, got one movie to review. We're going to start the year off the right way, and we're going to talk about Antlers. Antlers, which I've been trying to see for y'all for so, so long. And get a chance to review that we we're going to talk about it at the same time that we did the empty man but i could not find a copy of that and only now as antlers hit like streaming and digital and all that stuff there so we can finally actually talk about it so we're gonna talk antlers and then i'm gonna get into my top five of 2021 now as i mentioned before uh, if you're tuning in because you want to get your dexter reviews i am not going to be reviewing dexter this week uh, just because we're down to our last two episodes, and I kind of want to talk about those together, what we're going to do is uh, next week when we have our Scream retrospective, I'm going to catch you all up on the events of Scream. Uh, we are going to talk about the final two episodes of Dexter New Blood. All right, so we're going to talk about that next week. Uh, this week, we're going to take a little break from that. And like I said, we're just going to go in and talk about the top five of 2021. And we are also going to talk Antlers. Now, Antlers itself is very, uh, very, very interesting film, uh, only because this is one that uh, I remember hearing about for a little while, actually. Um, Scott Cooper is, uh, is our writer and director of this film. If you don't know, know who Scott Cooper is, uh, he did the, the, did the story of Crazy Heart, um, which was actually nominated uh, for a few Academy Awards. That's the one that had like Jeff Bridges in it. And, um, uh, uh, oh, what's the dude's name from Tron? Uh, 
Uh, no, Tron wasn't in that one. Uh, that was another one I'm thinking of there. But he did Crazy Heart. He did uh, Out of the Furnace with Christian Bale. So, like, the guy actually has a pretty, pretty great pedigree, actually, of films put together. He did one of my absolute favorites, Black Mass, with uh, Johnny Depp in it, about the, uh, the true story of Whitey Bul uh, Bulger. Um, love that movie, too, Depp. I think that is a fantastic film. Um, and... Uh, Definitely one of the more recent ones of his back in 2015 that I really enjoy getting a chance to watch as well, too. And Black Mask, uh, not Black Mask, I'm sorry, why am I thinking of Black Mask? Because we just said Black Mask. Uh, but Antlers here, Antlers tells the story of, uh, it's a kind of story of duality. We get to focus on this young boy who's trying to care for his family after a traumatic event and he's dealing with... Uh, some horrifying issues that might be going on with his family. And at the same time, um, his teacher, uh, Julia, is basically trying to figure out what's going on and help him along with everything that's happening. Now, um, I am going to kind of spoil a little bit of it. You know me, I don't like talking about spoilers. But the thing is, is that I can't really review this without making comparisons to a few other recent tales as well, too. Um, so... Uh, uh, Antlers is very much the tale of the Wendigo. If you have not been aware of that tale, uh, the Wendigo is a, uh, it, it's a, it, it's a bit of a ghost story, a true story, you know, depending on who you talk to from Native American legend, basically. And it's about how, um, and again, I apologize because I'm not going to get this all in the right way. I know of what I've seen in pop culture, basically. But the story basically is, is that when people are starved and forced to result uh, to cannibalism, it basically enacts a curse upon them. And this curse makes them crave the flesh of other humans and it can never be satisfied. So they're just continuously out there hunting and hunting to keep eating, even though that hunger will never actually be fulfilled, basically. And um, I'm familiar with this because, you know, I've played uh, Until Dawn. I've talked about that. We actually reviewed that on the show uh, back in 2020, some of those themes they are coming out of that, which um, while uh, Until Dawn is very much a game that uh, focuses the first half around like a slasher movie and a lot of those elements, the second half of that game really shift the tale to the story of a Wendigo. And that wouldn't be the only time. Uh, some of y'all might've also seen the movie Ravenous with Robert Carlyle um, and, uh, Oh, God, Guy Pierce, Yeah, and Guy Pierce. We watched that uh, during our Scary Movie Marathon back in September as well, too. One of my absolute favorites. That's another uh, like tale of the Wendigo as well, too, about people who are starving. They eat all these people. They gain the strength of those people. And that's just one of the big things about that story. So I love and I'm fascinated by this tale of the Wendigo. Um, but the thing is, is that the things that we've seen, uh, things I've seen, like Ravenous is very much a black comedy. It's a horror for sure. Um, but it does try to be more of a black comedy route because it's like almost very lighthearted, especially like with the score in the film as well, too. It's a fan fantastic film, but I'd be lying if I said that's kind of like a serious take on the legend. And Until Dawn, it's a video game. So I understand that's not necessarily accessible for a lot of people. So Antlers, uh, at least for me, is one of the more accessible tales out there about the Wendigo. And I really enjoyed that, you know. It helps. Uh, it helped out a lot that it was set in Oregon. Um, I love, 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 love um, cities and towns like that, especially up in the north, uh, the the northwest, where you know it looks all rainy and gloomy and stuff all the time. Because especially in a horror movie, I feel that kind of setting helps to sell the premise and helps to sell all the terrible things that are happening around 
all of these characters. And in the case of Antlers, that definitely helped a lot because it helped sell the small town feel of everything that was going on. Um, it helped to show kind of the isolation of some of these characters as well too. You know, our, our main character we might think is Julia, played by Carrie Russell. Um, Julia has moved back to the town of Sispis Falls in Oregon. Um, to basically come and reconnect with her brother, uh, her brother who is the sheriff, Paul Meadows, played by Jesse Plemons, uh, who you might remember from Game Night or uh, from Breaking Bad or from Black Mass. So, you know, Scott Cooper is definitely reusing some of the actors he, he enjoys quite a bit there. Um, but Julia comes back to uh, comes back to her hometown. Uh, her father recently committed suicide and over the course of this film, we learned that there was a lot of trauma involved with Paul and Julia and their father when they were both younger. And that uh, in Julia's case, that trauma caused her to leave. Basically, it got bad enough to the point to where she just couldn't, uh, couldn't stand living at home anymore and being around her father and the abuse he would put her through. Um, some of it is, uh, is kind of hinted to be sexual in nature. Some of it, obviously, is the traditional, just, you know, uh, the tip typical stuff that you never want to hear about as well, too. Um, but Julia is very much broken. And we're also led, which um, is something I really enjoyed about showing her character off, um, that that trauma led to a lot of problems in life that she had. Uh, it shows she's clearly a recovering alcoholic. There's a number of scenes in the film to where she goes to a liquor store, she's eyeing the alcohol, and then she just, you know, every time she gets close to it, she sidesteps it and just kind of moves on. So clearly she's dealing with this trauma still and coming back to her hometown is kind of reigniting all of that. But in the meantime, uh, Julia's kind of seeing a bit of herself and who are actually is our main character, young Lucas, played by uh, Jeremy T. Thomas. Now, at the beginning of the film, Lucas's brother is uh, waiting for their dad as their dad and, uh, and his partner are trying to finish up some kind of drug operation they have set up in one of the local mines, basically. And while Lucas's father and his business partner are trying to kind of pack all this stuff up in their drug, uh, well, it looks to be a drug lab, they're attacked. And we're led to believe that Lucas's little brother has been attacked as well, too. Uh, his brother, Aiden. And from there, we're basically watching the movie. Mostly, we're switching back and forth between Julia's point of view and Lucas's point of view. But I really do feel that Lucas is our main character in this because we see everything he's trying to do. He's clearly scared. He's clearly, uh, he's alone right now. And it's not like he was well off or in a good place to begin with. Um, the principal of the school that Lucas go, uh, goes to uh, actually tells Julia when she tries to report that there might be an issue at home that there are plenty of parents in this town who are drug dealers, who are uh, who run drug labs, basically, because there's no jobs, there's nothing to do. It's a small town. There's not really a lot of options, so most of them have to turn towards this, and most of them just kind of look sideways at it because they know there's just not much that they can actually do, and um, it, it just sells how like gloomy and how dreary and how dreadful this town actually is. That nobody seemingly cares. So Julia seeing herself in Lucas and seeing that, well, he's been abused or he's being abused right now and that nobody is helping. She doesn't want to let that happen to somebody that she can see it to because she doesn't want to allow the trauma that she went through to happen to somebody else. So she starts inserting herself into Lucas's life. Now, throughout this film, as Lucas's father and brother begin to grow worse and worse and worse, we see the extremes that Lucas is going through to keep them alive and to keep them fed. 
And, you know, it, it's interesting because you might look at Lucas and you might think that, like, what kid would do this? What kid could actually do the things that Lucas has been doing? Then again, you have to think about the situation that Lucas has been in. Um, his his dad doesn't seem didn't seem like a terrible guy, except for the fact that he's making and dealing meth, obviously. Um, but you can imagine though that Lucas has been through a bit of a rough life, and he's doing just what he's kind of used to at this point. You take care of your family because no matter what, they're they're kind of all you have sometimes. And whether that's good or bad, you know, I don't believe in doing that myself all the time because uh, family can be toxic. But um, whether, uh, whether you agree or not, you can applaud Lucas for his morals and his values and trying to follow up on that. And it's, it's interesting because I kind of felt the entire time watching Lucas interact with his father and his brother, Lucas himself was never in any danger. And I really do enjoy that about the film is that uh, they show that there is still a, still a little bit of humanity left in these creatures as they become uh, these Wendigos and everything and that. Sure, they're like they have no morals or qualms when it comes to anybody else, but when it comes to their family, they're kind of slowing down. They're kind of like taking a second to really, really think about that, and it just helps to sell, um, to sell how hard like putting a stop to all this is really going to be. Because at the end of all of this, Lucas is probably going to have to kill his father. He's probably going to have to kill his brother. So uh, I like the fact they gave the Wendigos a little bit of humanity because it makes it all much harder down the road when we get to our eventual face-off. Um, and Julia herself is, it's great to see her kind of like working over her trauma throughout this film as well too. Because while all this is going on, again, she's still trying to mend this relationship with her brother Paul that's absolutely strained after her leaving. He clearly went through the ringer himself with their father as well too. It's not like she's the only one who has suffered through this. And seeing her kind of like realize that and soften her edges towards her brother while also like trying to be there more for Lucas. You can see that she's being pulled in a lot of different directions. And I love that there was dilemmas here with Julia trying to overstep because maybe it is all in her head that she's seeing a problem. And because she's passing off her own issues to young Lucas, maybe she's not seeing things clearly. And I just love the dilemma um, that was brought with that because it, it is a really, really good story, honestly. I really do feel it's a great story that we're following with both Lucas and Julia. Um, I do think it's a bit of a bummer. We didn't get much in the way of expansion um, or resolution with Julia and uh, with, with Julia and Paul's trauma, and I really wish that could have been picked up on. You know, that's neither here or there. I get it's a monster movie. We got to focus on the problem at hand, but all that was really, really juicy and interesting. So I'm sad we didn't get more out of that in the film itself, but it didn't wreck that for me. Now, the design of these creatures um, before they take their final form, nothing nothing too special, not bad, and that's not an insult, but you'll kind of liken it very similar to like a zombie film, honestly, um, in the state that Lucas's father and brother are in before things just kind of break into like wild, wild shit in the movie. Um, the final creature design, fantastic, absolutely love it. And considering there's all these different iterations of what the Wendigo truly looks like, hell, go to Marvel Comics, you can see what their Wendigos look like and everything. But you see all these different iterations of what the Wendigos look like, and I enjoy the fact that they basically had them kind of be zombies before they took their final form, and then after that, they're just these great, gigantic beasts. Absolutely love that. Um, this film as a whole, I thought the monster, the the the, uh, the the monsters, the design on them were absolutely creepy, and that is fantastic to see something new show up that's actually really really well done that way. Uh, but not only that, 
Um, the characters in it were just really great as well. And I think that has to do with having a really, really strong cast. Most of the film, obviously, is Carrie Russell, uh, Jesse Plemons, and Jeffrey T. Thomas. But they do a great job of carrying this film, honestly. You know, they do a fantastic job of being our leads in this film. And we have others that show up. You know, a Amy Madigan is there as the principal. Graham Greene uh, is there as the former sheriff. Rory Cochran is even in the film. So they do have a, uh, a, a really good cast put together for this film as well, too. There's a lot that works about this. But at the same time, the kind of downside about it, too, is that the body count's not high in the least bit there. Um, to be quite honest, the body count is three. Um, and I don't really want to spoil too much there with that, but the body count in this film is, 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 is three. Technically, it's four. Um, but if we're going in what we can see, it is only three in the film itself. And those deaths are... Uh, like at least one of them for sure is a very uh, it's a it's a mean one and you do feel bad for that character the other ones is typical horror movie stuff um, and I don't know if that means I needed more killing in it maybe it's just because I thought that both the Wendigos in their final form and as um, a number of people are turning into Wendigos and everything I just wanted to see more of that so if there is a downside to the movie I am gonna say it's because we didn't get as much of these creatures as I really would have enjoyed to see. Now, with that though, I think this film was absolutely phenomenal. Um, there was a lot of good horror that came out this year. There really, really was. And so uh, for something to kind of stand against everything else that's coming out, it's gotta be something special. And I really do feel that Scott Cooper hit something really special with this one. Uh, just with everything involved in it, honestly. I think this is one of the strongest horror films of 2021, honestly. And one that definitely should be checked out. Um, and I've never read the book because, the, uh, from what I'm aware of, this is actually based on a short story called, um, uh, called The Quiet Boy that was produced just a, uh, just a couple of years ago. So something I have to follow up on. I definitely want to kind of see what that's about and see if it was adapted the right way. You know, did, was the similarities there? Did they change it up? Like drastically like we've had with a number of other horror adaptation who knows but i am going to research that i'm going to find out and get back to y'all with some answers on that and that's a good stopping point for us to head over and talk about the top five of 2021 so coming in at number five is last night in soho um I did not expect much out of this film. I was excited when it was first announced because I love Edgar Wright. I think he is one of the absolute best filmmakers of my time, honestly. And he has a great catalog of films together. Um, but I'd be lying if I said that when I saw the trailer for this film, I, I was really excited by the premise. Um, the, the earlier trailers made it seem like it was just a story about you know a serial killer. And while that's cool and fascinating and stuff like that, I guess I didn't enjoy um, the setting of it because it seemed like more of it was gonna be set in the older London uh, than it was in the modern day uh, with Thomasin McKenzie's character. And um, I, when I finally saw it, I was ta just taken aback by how enjoyable it really, really was. And I had to remind myself that you know, if you think Edgar Wright, the voice of my generation, one of the voices of my generation and of my time, he really deserves the trust when he has a new movie coming out because Last Night in Soho was incredible. Um, 
it was a completely different film than what I expected, and I believe what the trailers really, really put out there. I think that going into it, it'd be pretty easy to write it off once you kind of get the idea and get a get the concept of what's actually happening in this film. You might want to cr uh, like cross it off because then it doesn't seem as nefarious as it once was. But to do that, I feel would be would really be doing a disservice to uh, to the movie, honestly, because it is a really really strong film. Um, the reveal of what's really going on into it, because there is a bit of a twist to it. Um, I think was expertly done, honestly. I think it's strong. I think it, it, it said a lot what it was doing. I really enjoyed it. I thought the cast of the film was super uh, superb. They were phenomenal. And as I said in my review of it as well, too, I really did enjoy the fact that we got to see that, uh, that very big scene on consent in there with our main character played by Thomas and McKenzie. Um, and the guys she was interested in the uh, in the film as well. Like I always go back to that because I really do think that was a really really well done scene. But uh, it had to be in the top five because thinking back to the other films I saw throughout the year, um, I really found myself going back and thinking about this after it was done. And that's not to say the bottom five I didn't have those same kind of thoughts, but I definitely really did enjoy the way I felt coming out of last night in Soho. And even after multiple watches, knowing that I just really, really enjoyed what I was looking at. So I thought that was a solid five here. Number four is gonna be Creep Show. Um, so we've watched a lot of a lot of TV shows together this year. Um, we did, you know, The Stand. We did. Uh, we've done Dexter New Blood. We've done The Haunting of Hill House. We've done. Uh, a lot of stuff and i felt that creep show needed to be on this list because every single season i feel like they've been managing to do more and more with it and tell much better stories each time honestly and that has just made it so much more enjoyable as we've gone throughout this year and the funny thing about it too is that we actually have gotten two seasons this year because um season two came out in april of this year and season three came out this fall it came out in september and i love the fact that we had that quick of a turnaround COVID obviously plays a big part of that but it, it was hard for me not to actually go and put this on the list here and i know we're thinking top 10 horror movies but nah creep show needs to definitely be on there because some of their stories that they were able to tell uh tell this year were just so in a, like inexplicably strong you know um we had the uh uh we had the sequel to uh evil dead we got our evil dead sequel um of uh I forget what the name what the name of the episode was, but back in season two, they basically followed up on uh, Evil Dead by having the Book of the Dead read in the episode with Ted Raimi, and I absolutely love it. Uh, it was public television of the dead is what it was called. Um, that was back in season two. I thought it was absolutely fantastic, and I love the fact that it does seem that every season now we are going to get a sequel to like an older property that they want to follow uh, follow up on because in season three we got the sequel to night of the living dead in that uh, as well and i know what you're thinking it's like wait a minute didn't we already get that with dawn of the dead uh and yeah i get that dawn of the dead day of the dead we got a bunch of follow-ups to that for sure we absolutely did but 
Um, there was just so, so much, uh, uh, in my opinion, though, about this, about these seasons that it just had to be on the list. Um, even here in season three, the things in Oakwood's past, that's the animated one where they conjured all those demons and everything. Thought it was absolutely fantastic. So, so, so good. Creepshow just had to be on this list. Um, you definitely need to check this out. Uh, the next season will be streaming on AMC here very soon, actually. Might be the spring there, I want to say. Um, and so, with that being number four, number three was Antlers. I had to put Antlers there on the list. And I know it's getting so many like people are kind of like trashing a little bit and i feel they're not really getting the point of it they're not really allowing themselves to enjoy something new and something different they're maybe looking for a bit too much antlers had to be number three honestly y'all i thought it was uh, a tremendous in its storytelling and the characters and and the monster design as well and put all those things together you really do have a quite perfect story you really really do got that going for it so antlers had to come in at number three not gonna spend more time talking about it because i just got done reviewing antlers there at number three for y'all so number two and number one you should be able to guess based on what i say here is number two what has to be number one and what I will tell you is the top horror film of 2021 without question was Candyman. It was absolutely Candyman. Um, I had been in anticipation for this film for quite a while, ever since it was announced, ever since Jordan Peele's name was attached to it, ever since they confirmed that Tony Todd would still have some kind of involvement in it. Ever since they said that this would still be in canon of the series itself, uh, there was so much here, so, so much in all of this um, that could really have set it up to be a giant letdown. And I do understand and respect the fact that a lot of people were let down by what they got out of the film itself because I think a lot of people came in just wanting a traditional slasher, a traditional you know, monster movie and everything. And that's not what they got. They did, but it wasn't in the way that they were hoping that it was because the monster that we are really finding out about, which we're not really finding out about it, but we should know because we live in the United States, at least a lot of us do. Uh, the monster is really each other and our thoughts towards people who don't look the same, people that look different and you know our ways of not getting uh giving everybody the same chances at things in life yes i am talking about black people in america and white people in america and the disparity there between it some of you might not might not want to hear it and that's okay if you don't want to now you can tune out you can do whatever your heart desires that doesn't change the fact it is a real thing and we are still seeing events in the news in our streets and everywhere you look there is still that kind of shit going on right now as things, uh, the more things change, the more things stay the same, I think is how the saying goes, honestly. And so Candyman uh, was very timely. It's almost weird that coming out in 2021 was much better for it than coming out in 2020 because, you know, tensions are even higher now. Things are seemingly worse now than they were before. So again, the timing of it all just seems to be like kind of right on point for when and where it needed to happen. Um, but it was a very, very important story to be told. Um, 
uh, Yahia uh, Mateen Abdul, um, j- uh, who coming off uh, Matrix, Matrix Resurrections, actually, uh, which I enjoyed a lot. We're not going to talk about that, though. It's not this kind of show. Um, has just had a tremendous few years in Hollywood, and they're still going to keep on going. My man is just showing up in everything, and I love the fact that He's still, uh, he can still make time for horror because a lot of us, I think that our exposure to him has really been in horror, you know, things like Candyman and Us, and he's had actually a couple others as well too, um, but he's just in everything these days. And he, he, he does such a, 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 such a great job in the role. I love the fact that the connections back to the original Candyman made this much more engrossing to get into. Didn't like the fact that it obviously retcons out Candyman 2, um, but that's okay. I understand that we can't have everything. You know, that's just the new fad of getting rid of other sequels and everything as well, too. Um, but there were scares in this. The scares were not related to the killings. Uh, the scares were related to, again, seeing how our society is and how we treat other people out there. And that was a very, very scary thing to say. The kills were absolutely effective, um, and they were all really, really justified as there were only certain people, if you watch the movie, who are the ones getting killed by the Candyman in it as well. So there's obviously some very poignant themes that are being uh, talked about in this movie. There was nothing better that came out. And some of you might be wondering, where is Promising Young Woman in all of this? Uh, because uh, Promising Young Woman, a movie we looked at earlier this year, it won an, uh, won an Academy Award, it is just high marks, fantastic. Promising Young Woman was gonna be on this list, but like Hunter Hunter, the problem is, is that it did come out at the end of 2020. Hunter Hunter came out December 18th, and Promising Young Woman came out on Christmas. It came out on fucking Christmas of 2020. And as much as I want to include it, because it was going to be in the high numbers in this list, I got to stick to my own ruling. So that is why if you're wondering where Promising Young Woman is, it's not on the list here. So where does that leave us for number one? Uh, I said Candyman was the number one movie of the year, but that only puts us at two, though. We still got that number one spot. Come on. You know what's going in at number one, folks. Nothing did it better this year. Absolutely nothing in the world of horror did it better this year than Chucky. Simple as that. There was nothing else that was going to be taking on the number one spot of the top of uh, 2021. It had to be Chucky. And yeah, I know it's a TV show. Guess what? Creepshow is on the, on the list there as well, too. Chucky just had to be in here, though, because of the fact that it was not only something fresh, um, we got to see our same lovable old Chucky that we have known for 40, uh, 40, let's say 40, uh, for 30 years at this point. For, thir- for 30 years at this point, we got to see the same lovable Chucky, but put in brand new situations. And keep in mind, since the late 80s, we've been watching Chucky torment a number of different people in a number of different ways. He's had a wife. He's had a kid. He's transferred his soul into a woman, into a child. Like, he's done all of these things. But yet, none of us could have begun to anticipate what a Chucky TV show was really going to be like. And honestly, folks, it is 
so good for the world of horror that this worked out the way that it did. Having Don Mancini um, be there from day one of Child's Play to the end of the first season of Chucky, he's been involved in absolutely everything, is absolutely ridiculous. We do not get that ever. Uh, there's a reason why we don't get it is because most people who are involved in horror don't want to stay past one or two entries. They feel shit gets old, it gets dated. And unfortunately, at this point, I don't know if I can believe that as an excuse anymore because Don Mancini has poured his life into this, into Chucky, into this character and everybody around Chucky for 30 years at this point. And it's still one of the best horror tales that we have ever had in our lifetimes and not only that there was a story that came out in 2020 or an opinion piece that came out that said chucky should really be counted as a universal monster because universal does own chucky usa network is universal it's comcast nbc universal but it's still universal there and a number of those films were produced under that universal banner as well too and considering how long chucky has been around it's been the same the same series the same characters same actors same filmmakers involved in this there i think it really really does lend credits to the fact that chucky should probably be on the same level as like dracula frankenstein's monsters the wolfman all of that stuff um it's crazy it is so crazy to really think that that is uh that is what's happening here with that um i think it's phenomenal I, I i really do i think that um that this is a show and this is a character in a franchise that's going to be talked about for the longest time because we've already been doing that for 30 years and i do think that chucky does have a lot of staying power unlike the legal issues that prevented things like another friday at 13 or uh the issues of getting something fresh and good with nightmare on elm street uh taking forever on getting something uh, like that's hellraiser back in front of us all these things and chucky still manages to make it out uh, and be an interesting character because it's not just as simple as chucky's going around and murdering people no it's never been that simple honestly um this is something that has just been just been building and in the best of ways honestly in the absolute best of ways there so chucky gets the number one spot and that's gonna do it for the top 10 of 2021 folks if you weren't keeping up with that at 10 we had black friday at nine we had malignant at eight we had spiral at seven we had halloween kills at six we had fear street part three at five, we had Last Night in Soho. At four, we had Creep Show. At three, we had Antlers. At two, we had Candyman. And at one, we had Chucky. That is the absolute best of the best of the best of 2021, folks. You need to check those things out. Most of those at this point are available through Voodoo. Amazon Prime and most traditional renting services online. Check them out. They're absolutely worth it. And with that, folks, that's our first show of 2021. Yeah. Um, again, you can see my very nice T watches a scary movie shirt that my lovely wife put together for me. And then, of course, my nice uh, Wild and Out Entertainment uh, 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 visor as well, too, that she made. Uh, looking fantastic, folks. So happy about these. Um, but yeah, that's our first show of the year. They're covering the top five of 2021 and talking antlers next week. 
Next week, Scream 5 is out. The wait is over, folks. We have one week until Scream 5. So next week, we're going to do a retrospective. We're going to talk about the events of Scream. Because I've already reviewed Scream. I've already viewed it last year. I did the four movies at the time there and talked about my thoughts on all four of them. I don't want to do that. We're going to do it like we did with the Child's Play Chucky franchise before uh, the first episode came out. We're going to go back over the events of the first four films, make sure everybody's caught up before the release of Scream 5. And then we're reviewing the last two episodes of Dexter New Blood. You don't want to miss it. Make sure to tune in next week for that, folks. Uh, and you're going to want to check the video because I'm going to have clips of it in there, obviously, as well, too. So make sure you're checking out the video version of the show. But y'all know what's good. Make sure to subscribe, like are my videos, share them as well, uh, and comment. I want that interaction with y'all as well, too. But that's going to do it for us. Happy 2022, everybody. My name is T. We've been talking a scary movie. Stay safe.